You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. Joshua Lysak is the president and founder of the Entrepreneur's Wordsmith, LLC. Their main services include ghostwriting, copywriting, and content marketing. I was especially intrigued by the ghostwriting process and found that he had a lot of expertise in this area, so I asked a lot of questions. I also enjoyed his take on the idea that at any given time, over 90% of your potential customers aren't actually shopping for your product, and how you can solve that problem by creating what he calls influential copy. As for how to create influential copy, he shares his six C's of influential copy in some detail. You can also find a link to his infographic in the show notes or at joshualisic.com. Hope you enjoy. I'm the president and founder of the Entrepreneur's Wordsmith, LLC. And like the business name would hint, Wordsmithery is my game. So the core services that we offer are uh, ghostwriting, copywriting, and content marketing. They're basically three stepsisters of one another. They're there. So with the copywriting, we'll start there. Obviously, these services that we focus on there are direct response, creating sales pages, basically moving people to take action. And our kind of secret sauce, as it were, for copywriting is using what's called the customer journey. And the customer journey is this idea that the people who are going to buy from you at some point, like not all of them are ready to buy right now. In fact, the industry statistic is that about 90% of a business's target market are like not ready to buy right now. Like they're not thinking about it, maybe they're not looking for it, but that doesn't mean they can't be motivated to take action. And so that's what I do uh, as you know, being in the business of copywriting services. And of course, content marketing. Content marketing is basically creating a series of campaigns using uh, Facebook advertising, email marketing, a combination of the two really, and a series of landing pages, automation, all that kind of digital marketing speak in order to systematically move the, you know, an audience of potential customers from, yeah, I'm not really interested in this product to, wow, this is kind of interesting, to, oh my gosh, I had no idea an offer like this existed, to, wow, I guess I really do need this. I'm going to buy this now. Right? So a strategic process to work people through that. But the you know, core service that covers everything that I do is ghostwriting. Ghostwriting I will define as acting in print. So what I mean by acting in print is that basically what we do is I capture the voice of a business owner or a brand, like the unique way that they talk, their, you know, the, their uh, type of vocabulary that they use, the type of sentence structures that they use, basically their voice, right? The brand voice, or the business owner's voice. I capture that and create content consistently uh, in, you know, rather than uh, them have to do it, we take care of, uh, take, take care of that. So that 90% of people, what, what's going on with that group of people where they're not at a point where they're willing to buy and how do you uh, get through to them? Yes, yes. So I frequently give presentations on this here locally and, and regionally on how to do exactly that. Creating awareness of the problem is so, 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 so important you know, in, in a content marketing campaign. So the statistic comes from a fellow named Chet Holmes, who is, uh, he passed it a couple of years ago, but he was... He was a marketing legend who was hired by people like Tony Robbins, okay? So he knows what he's talking about. And the statistic that he put forward, the one I just mentioned, was essentially the 10%, 90% rule. 10% are looking to buy now, the 90% are not. However, your 9 out of 10 customers, they have a problem or they have a goal, one of the two, that your product or service 
can actually solve or it can help them achieve. And so effective, emotionally compelling copy is copy that speaks to what it is the customer wants to achieve or the problem that they want to solve. You see a lot of uh, you know, lead magnets that really talk about doing this. Um, I was talking to somebody uh, earlier today who's in the, uh, the banking industry, and one of the lead magnets that we were talking about, kind of, it, it would basically take the, make the connection between what the business offers and what the customer wants. And the example that they said is you know, the, the top five ways you're mishandling cash in your business and how it's cutting into your profit margin, something like that. We're like, oh, bleep, bleep. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> you know, kind of that, that moment of profanity where it's like, oh, I am losing money. Well, I need to learn about this, right? Now, ultimately, they're going to learn about the, the business and services when it comes to business banking. But if you want effective, you know, marketing advertising, you don't come out and say, hey, here's a product or service that we're selling. You want to buy it? Although I will tell you, that is the mistake. I see just about 95% of businesses making. Their emails, their advertisements, hey, here's what you're selling. You want to buy? And that's pretty much, uh, pretty much it. So to answer your question, kind of working it back around here, speaking to, in the copy, what it is that the, the customer wants to achieve or what they want to solve. And then it's my job as the ghost copywriter, ghost content marketer, right, to create content that's in the voice and it's, and it's uniform with the brand of the business or if it's like a, a thought leader who's selling a service, like as a consultant, for instance, it's my job to create content that does all of those persuasive things it needs to do to make them take action, but in the voice of the business owner, which is a heck of a lot of fun, let me tell you. So what makes for really good copywriting in your opinion? Well, I'm working on a, a model right now in order to kind of explain that in the, you know, in the kind of at-a-glance term. There's really six, I, you know, I call them pillars of influential copy, right? So influential, I like to use that word because it basically means you read it and you want to take action, right? Because the idea is we humans, right, everybody listening, you all, you buy on emotion, right? We all buy on emotion. That's just the way it is. But the right words create the right emotions, and those right emotions lead to the right action. So I like to say, if you want to motivate the right action of people buying, you need to use the right words right? in that kind of sequence there. And that, is the, and that is the act of influencing somebody, right? You say something, and it's like, wow, they have this desire cultivated. They've got to go out and get it. So those six pieces or those six uh, pillars, rather, of what influential content or influential copy is, I can get into them real quick here. First of all, there's credibility. That's the first C. So we're talking whether it's a business-to-customer market or a business-to-business -business market, right? Maybe you're selling a service or you're selling handmade objects on Etsy, right? You want to you establish your credibility by essentially giving not just social proof, right? And these are kind of basic. Everybody wants to see testimonials and case studies, right? But your own personal results, how you have gone from – like let's say the uh, the business you know the business banking example, uh, a personal result of that would be, hey, here's a story of a business owner who utilized our specific methods in order to achieve the result that they were looking for. And it's like, wow, this isn't just a business who offers a service. This is a business that is credible at offering your service. I can actually trust that they know what they're talking about. 
right? And I'd say the, another piece of, of credibility, and especially see this with books, right? Because every thought leader out there wants to write a book because they know the, the general mass market is not going to take them seriously as a thought leader unless they have a book. That's just kind of the, the rule of this industry. And so when I see people writing books, they give a lot of what, right? So here's what to do. Here's my methods. Here's my steps. Here's my ideas. But they don't necessarily give a lot of how, right? Like here is how you're going to implement these examples, right? And giving the how via testimonials, right, via that social proof, there are a few things that amplify credibility more than that. So, for example, you know, content that is just the what will say, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. But how-driven content will say, do step one like our client Charlie did, who got this amazing result. Step two, do this like our partner uh, Nancy did, who got this amazing result. Step three, do this just as our, our friend uh, Bill got this amazing result, right? So credibility is the first the first real pillar of influential copy that goes into a marketing campaign there. So for people listening, uh, if you want to get like the in-depth version, you can check out uh, the link in the show notes that uh, we'll have to this piece of content. But you want to just do a quick run through on those? Sure. So the other five C's of influential content, right? We've got credibility. The other one is connection. And the connection is showing the, the customers how what you do, right, your service or your product, actually will help them get to their happily ever after, right? It's going to solve their problem. It's going to help them achieve their goal. So making that connection. The third C is it has to be compelling copy, right? And this is, this is copy that arouses emotions and makes you relatable, right? So you're not just a robot talking words at people, right? You're, you're telling a story and you're, you're cultivating those emotions. The fourth C, and this is a really fun one, this is being counter-industry, Right, so you're, you're basically taking an anti-BS stance because as every person listening who knows, in your industry, there is a lot of, as, uh, as my friend Busher says, bullshit <laughs> in your industry. So you want to take a hard stand against that uh, in, your, in your content, right? The fifth C is going to be the call to action, right? What are those next steps to engage with your product or service? Is it, and, and make this very clear, right? It's not just come hire us, but it's, Sign up for our discovery call. It's take a free trial. Use this coupon in your first order, right? Whatever that call to action is. And then circulation. That's the last in the sixth C. And this has to do with how many people your message is actually being in front of, right? This has to do with your platform and most importantly, the strategy of content marketing that's behind your message so people are actually seeing it. So in a real quick uh, in a miniature nutshell there, those are the five and of course, the five remaining C's and the six C's of influential copy. At my uh, college, I had gotten quite a few uh, positive bits of feedback from professors who said that I was one of the best essay writers that they'd ever seen. Now, I like to chalk that up to being homeschooled because when I was in high school, my uh, unsocialized, shall we say, because you know, when you're homeschooled, you don't have a lot of social interactions. When I was uh, homeschooled, my hobby in high school was reading the Encyclopedia Americana. 
A through Z. I go down there late at night, grab a volume, and just read. Like, what kind of weirdo likes to do that, right? And so being a high school senior at 15, I kind of come from a, a sort of a non-traditional background there. And so when I get to the university environment, I'm thriving as I wordsmith, writing essays and papers and research uh, reviews. So I had in the back of my mind, I wonder if people would pay me for this. And I think that is the first question that begins every skills-based entrepreneur's journey, right? Not necessarily you know, products, maybe, but at least skills, consulting, web development, graphic design, writing, right? I wonder if people would pay me for this. And so I spent the last seven years, almost seven years now, 2018 is going to be the seventh anniversary of my business. I spent the last seven years answering that question. <laughs> Basically, what I did was uh, I got a job in the corporate world. I was not a fan of that after college, right? And so I'm sitting there thinking in my cubicle one day, maybe I need to listen to my professor. Maybe I need to actually try and do what they, what they suggested. And so my very first freelance writing project that I got as a writer, right? $1.67 an hour. Total disaster. But it was a start. And once I, you know, verified, hey, it's only a couple of bucks, but somebody paid me for this. And so that was the, the very, very teeny tiny $1.67 spark that lit the fire of my career as a ghostwriter and as a copywriter. And it's been blazing for almost seven years now. Yeah, that's fantastic. How did you even meet your first couple of clients with the ghostwriting thing? While I was in college, I took my, you know, I guess I'm expressing advice and tried my hand at professional writing. That wasn't the only thing that I did, right? Freelance writing wasn't the only thing that I did. In the meantime, I was working on a couple of novels, right? So I was, you know, in between writing essays and staring at the page of uh, the books I was supposed to be shelving, right? Because you'd always read the books supposed to be shelving at the library. <laughs> so what I did was, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write a couple of books. And I got both of those published by an independent publishing house. Uh, they were picked up five years ago. Um, and given that 82% of people want to write a book, like in America, says the New York Times, like 8 out of 10 people want to write a book, I'm one of the very few you know, people who actually have, and I did it twice, right? This is going back a few years. So I got the reputation of being the guy who talked about writing a book and actually did it twice. And, of course, they were novels, so I learned quite a bit about the fundamentals of prose and story and weaving a character that people can emotionally engage with. And they got dozens and dozens of four- and five-star reviews on Amazon. Like, people love the damn things. What that you know, resulted in was me having the reputation of a guy who writes books that people want to read. And so as you know, word got around that I was a, a novelist, people would approach me and say, hey, I've always talked about writing a book. I don't have a clue where to start. I think i got a good story here. Can you help me out? And so I was like, well, sure. So then the first one came. Then the second aspiring author. Then the third. Then the fourth. Then the fifth. And now I've written over 20 books, you know, and, and built kind of a, a, uh, a career here, or a, a vertical in my business for just ghostwriting books. And that's carried over into ghostwriting white papers and case studies and articles. Uh, my, my most recent uh, business owner that I work with, I got him into Forbes twice for uh, ghost-written articles that I, uh, you know, got published in his name. So 
ghost hunting is a very lucrative career. It's a lot of fun, but I got here because I did something that a lot of people would say is pretty damn fantastic, right? Not just writing one book, but writing two and getting them published. And so that's what got me the reputation as the guy who writes books. And so if you want to write a book, go talk to Joshua. Yeah, that's so interesting because it, it seems like the people, the first people that talk to you uh, are a good example of that 90% who aren't, I mean, they're probably not like shopping, like on, they're not probably on the market for a ghostwriter, right? And then they become a customer. So it's kind of this, it's interesting because you really see them being converted from that 90% to that 10% when they come to you with a book idea. Absolutely, absolutely. That that gets back to actually the um, the second C of influential content, you know, following my own advice, and that is connecting what I do to what people want, right? I'll, I'll tell you, probably half of my clients that I've written books for don't even know that I'm a ghostwriter. <laughs> I'm just the guy who's helping them write their book, right? Ghostwriter, what the hell is that, right? <laughs> so they don't even they don't even know. They just know that my expertise is creating influential content that makes people take action. And when you package that in the form of a book, that is a powerful credibility building tool, right? So it's a, you know, definitely a lot of fun. And I think you, you definitely got it there with the 90% to 10%. You know, the, um, the book that was published earlier this year, that's the number one international bestseller in like three categories in five countries. So when I first started talking to this particular entrepreneur that I published this, you know, wrote this uh, book for that, you know, sold very well, commercial success. When we first started talking, she said to me, you mean there's people you can hire to help you write a book? They do all the hard work and you can, and, and you, you can enjoy the fruit of their labor? Like you can do that? So I had no idea that that solution even existed. But she was in that 90% category who had a dream. And when she approached me, she said, no matter how successful I am in business, I know that I am not an expert until I've written my damn book. So she had the desire, right? She was absolutely in my target market, but she wasn't there Googling entrepreneur ghostwriters. Who the entrepreneur's words does, right? She wasn't doing that. She wasn't even aware that a solution existed. Yeah, this is so, so beyond like SEO, right? Almost like backdoor approach to marketing. You could, uh, people don't even know to like Google a thing that they want. Like having a website with a bunch of these keywords is going to be useless, right, for the 90%? Right, right. Yeah, I, I find that that's been definitely the case. Uh, if you're kind of just zooming out from like the world of ghostwriting to uh, the world of like digital marketing specifically for a general business, right? Oftentimes when people are Googling what it is they're looking for, they're, looking, like they're, they're typing in ghostwriting services. They're typing in, uh, let's say, handmade candles. They're typing in uh, wooden pipes from England. What does that mean? They know exactly what they're looking for. So that means they're 10%. Those are, those are the people who are 10%. So those who are searching on Google, what they're doing is window shopping. They're going to your website. They're going to somebody else's website. Then they're going to the next person's website. They're comparing price and availability and location and style. But I want to get those people who are in the 90% who I can make that first emotional connection with and they just get it. And they're like, oh, so what you do will help me get where I want to go? Tell me how to do that. And this is, you know, I've, I've written copy in 50 different industries over the past seven years. In every single industry, it's the same. The best customers you can find are those who you probably haven't even thought of 
that they exist yet, right? It's those people who don't even know that they are your customer, and that's the thing. So I build customer or yeah, customer journey-driven campaigns, content marketing campaigns that put these messages out there that make the connection for people between what it is the company wants and what it is that they, the customer, is really looking for. Because like you said, she wasn't saying, okay, how do I hire a ghostwriter? It's I really want to write this damn book, and I don't want to do it myself because I don't have time. So, yeah, that's, that's a, good, uh, a good little case study there. Hey, my methods are actually true. <laughs> that's good when you follow your own advice, right? So what do you find works best in marketing your own business? In my own business, what I found has worked best is doing a damn good job, and then that person cannot help but tell their friends, and so I have essentially streams of referrals going back pretty much seven years to the beginning of my business that helped me flourish. That, that's one thing, definitely. Uh, another thing has been, again, following my own advice, creating influential content that establishes me as a credible authority, and it's essentially connecting what I do, my core services, to the problem my market has or to the goal that they want to achieve. A great example of this, um, a few days ago actually, I published, uh, I published an article in the Huffington Post about a sales page that I wrote the copy for that sold over $100,000 know, worth in, in revenue. Um, and because this whole six-figure launch thing is so desirable in the world of digital marketing and online business, it's kind of a mystery like, well, okay, how the hell do you actually do it? Because there's over 16 million hits for how to have a six-figure launch, right? 16 million, like what the heck, right? A lot of advice and not a lot of people actually getting there. So I created this article, about 3,000-word epic ultimate guide on how to write a sales page that sells $100,000, right? A six-figure sales page. And I used a case study of my own client to show how I did that. So the person who's reading they can absolutely get a lot of value out of it because they're seeing how to write a six-figure sales page. But I'm also demonstrating my credibility and that if you don't want to do this yourself or it's too hard or you're not a writer, I am absolutely the guy to call to do this. And so creating those types of, the types of content and sharing them in the places where I know people are going to see me or they're going to learn more about you know, what it is that I do, I make sure that I put those pieces of content, those influential content in the right place. So again, following my own advice. <laughs> do you want to talk about some more of your advice in terms of like recycling and like repackaging your existing content? Yes, yes. So I found that uh, in, especially when I'm working with people who are, I will call them affectionately, authorpreneurs, right? People who, you know, they're business owners, they're entrepreneurs, and they want to be seen as the go-to authority in their niche. And so they're like the client I wrote the, the best-selling book for. They're thinking, I know I am not an authority until I write the damn book, but I don't want to do it. The good news is many people, because they're trying to build up that base of subscribers, they're trying to turn you know, people who download their free PDF and get on their email list into buyers right, through product launches, the good news is they probably have a good bit of content available that they've already created. So when I'm working with you know, uh, a business owner, we already have some material that we can pull from. And so you mentioned the words like repurposing and repackaging, right? 
So oftentimes when it comes to repurposing, there's blog content, there's email campaigns, there is even courses or programs or you know, uh, um, you know, material that they have that can be repurposed into you know, the ultimate thought leadership masterpiece. So it's not like they're sitting down with me and I'm saying, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Austin, what do you want to write about? <laughs> and we're starting from scratch, right? We have some material that we can already repurpose and that they can profit off of work they've already put in. So that's, that's the first one, right, repurposing. And then the next one that we talked about is repackaging. So I see this a lot with people who do a lot of podcasts or interviews or speaking, and they have transcriptions of recordings, either video or audio. And when you're, when you're moving from one medium to another, right, like speaking to, you know, the written word, there is a lot that gets lost because when you're speaking or when you're or being seen on stage or in front of somebody, you have gestures and facial expressions and you can really communicate your message and draw those people in. But if you transcribe what you say word for word and you've got you know, all of those gestures and voice inflections and whatnot removed, you kind of sound like the most boring human on the planet. <laughs> so when I'm repackaging, what I need to do is I need to infuse that that kind of bland transcribed content, I need to infuse emotion into it. I need to give it life and add, oftentimes, sensory description to talk about, okay, so you're telling a story about when you went out walking your dog around the block. I don't know why you'd be telling a story about why you walked your dog around the block. Now, if you tell that story on stage, it can be really funny and you've got gestures and timing. It could even be something that makes people laugh. Transcribe it, it's not fun. It's, just, it's, it's very boring. So what I do is repackaging it as I add in what the, uh, what, what it, you know, what the, the dog on the leash jerking, you know, felt like, right? The dog's pulling you along. What the freshly cut lawns smelled like. What the neighborhood looked like. How it made you feel, right? Infusing the sensory descriptions to allow the reader to have something to imagine. And that is how you repackage, you know, bland, boring transcriptions into something that's deeply emotionally enjoyable. Like you can make uh, like an ebook, you can make like a diagram, kind of a flowchart thing with like lots of pictures. You can write a, a blog post. You can uh, even give a summary speech yourself. So it's not really like a podcast interview. You can just take five minutes and be like, hey, like these are the highlights from this conversation. Check it out. Um, does that make sense? So like how do you choose like what format to, to move it into? Right, right. Uh, have you, perchance, ever read the read the book uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk? I haven't, no. Okay. Uh, for everybody listening, I strongly recommend that book for the fundamentals of social media. So I bring up that book because Gary Vaynerchuk pretty much answered that, the question you just asked me, which was, um, you know, what, what, what content gets repurposed in what format and where do you put it, right? So the first thing that Gary says in that book is, when you are either creating original content or in this case repurposing old content, the most important thing is to know your medium, know your channel. So let's say that you have, um, let's say that you have like, you know, we're doing this, we're doing this here, right? We're talking and let's say we get a transcription. And if I were to just take this, you know, entire transcription, copy and paste it, slap it on a blog and hope the customers come, I get the article on Medium, and I don't, you know, I just post it on LinkedIn or whatever. I may not get a lot of traction, but if I'm thinking, okay, who are the people that I want to reach with this content? 
who are going to get the most value from it, who's going to resonate with the most, I might be like, you know, this might be perfect for like a, a, uh, a first article on Facebook as an advertisement in a campaign where I, I'm not driving traffic to my website or to a sign-up page or to an opt-in page with a PDF or, you know, where they give me an email address, but rather to establish myself as a credible expert in the industry. So I take it, I publish it as a blog post, and I drive traffic to that blog or even, you know, as a, um, you know, a couple of snippets of the, the interview, and we even drive traffic back to your, uh, to your um, you know, the iTunes, right, to the episode page. So I, I think it's a combination, like Gary says, of knowing what, what medium or channel you want to use, like, you know, how, where, where is the content going to be most useful, uh, and then making sure that you're putting it in front of the right people uh, when, you, when you're choosing the right medium or channel. And that's especially easy to do with, uh, you know, with Facebook advertising and business manager, the ads platform, because you're able to pick who you want to see. So I'm a little biased towards Facebook myself. So what's your favorite part about what you do? The favorite thing about what I do, um, well, when I am first talking to you know, a room of business owners or I'm on a webinar or even a podcast like this, and I, and I talk about, it's definitely the ghostwriting for sure, but when I talk about my, my work as a ghostwriter, what I enjoy about it, I say that my job is to create influence. And people go, hmm, oh, wow, what's that, right? You can kind of hear the murmurs in the background. And so what I mean by that is, Helping a business owner, right, who has a powerful message, they have a vision, they're coming from a countercultural perspective, uh, or counter-industry, rather, uh, and they're like, this is what I want to say, I just don't know quite how to say it. And so what my job is is to help that person package their message in such a way that it does have the intended effect, that it creeps inside somebody's brain and just sits down there and keeps tapping on their, uh, their hemispheres until they take action. So that's the most enjoyable thing about, uh, about what I do is, is taking a, you know, a person's ideas or their vision or even their strategies to get results and helping them form that message and you know, massage that message into something that is a masterpiece for their industry that makes them so proud that they can stand on this book and say, you know what, this is my book, this is my article because I feel like I was the one who actually wrote this. Because of my ideas, they say. So what does success look like to you personally? For me personally, well, I think it starts with, well, <laughs> personally, um, uh, my, uh, my family is growing a little bit, it, it would seem. My, my wife is, uh, is, is pregnant right now. So yeah, I saw your post. Got, Congratulations, uh, a, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks. we got a little human on the way. So definitely creating a, a, a family legacy, even as a you know, a 20 something is, is very important to me. And part of that is helping other people create their legacies too. So that's why I really enjoy the work as you know, being a ghostwriter because I help people do that. So it's kind of like, it, it's, I'm personally connected to it too, because I'm not necessarily putting my name on the stuff and I'm ghostwriting, obviously, you know, a lot of clients don't even say who they are, but when I'm helping them put that, that masterpiece out there, that, that 5,000-word epic article that's the, kind of the standard of their industry or a book that sells tens of thousands of copies like this most recent one did, that's part of their legacy. And so that's, you know, my, that's you know, my job. And so I, I love it. It's very gratifying. 
That's interesting. And okay, that actually reminds me of another thing that I was really curious about for you, because you mentioned uh, these like epic length articles. So I was curious what your thoughts were on creating fewer pieces of big content versus many like smaller pieces of content. It's going to depend on the the, the what we you know what the business is, what their industry is, and who their customer is. So when I'm working with a B2C company, right, the business that serves the general customer of mom, dad, kids, family, single person, whatever, what I found is successful is drip marketing. So little bits of content here and there. We're talking Facebook ads, 300-word articles, little snippets that is easy to digest throughout the day. But you put yourself in that person's shoes, that you know, mom and dad who you're trying to get their attention to explain how your product or service can be of value to them and help them get what they want or avoid what they don't in their lives and their homes and their family, right? You don't want to have a 5,000-word article. Nobody's going to read that. But if you're like Ramit Sethi, for instance, and you create these ultimate in-depth guides to you know, uh, writing a, an email pitch to a mainstream media outlet, or you know, you're writing a, a blog post that you want to get published by a big name, you are ready to read a 5,000-word blog post. Like that's the type of person that you are because that's what you want to do. So you want somebody who's going to show you the step-by-step process to get there. So to answer your question, it depends, <laughs> right? Who your customer is, what it is they're looking for, and the type of content that is going to allow you to become part of their lives without inconveniencing them. So it's more situational because I would have guessed that you would just be better suited for like fewer, bigger projects, but that's not always the case. It sounds like. No, no, probably about um, I would say about one third of the work that I have now in the business is related to creating a book. The other third is creating copy that's specific to a tactic like a sales page, a sales collateral, it's you know content for a website that's being put together. Uh, and the other third is a campaign, so advertising campaigns, email marketing campaigns, where there's automation, right? So I'm definitely in each of the each of the three verticals of wordsmithery, copywriting, ghostwriting, and content marketing. So, what advice would you give to someone looking at starting their own business? All right, so we're definitely going to book in this episode. At the very beginning, I said, Mike, you know, the question I asked myself when I got started was, you know, I wonder if people would actually pay me for this. That is the beginning, uh, like I said, of, of every successful business, answering that question. Uh, and I've seen it, like I said, working in 50 different industries over the last seven years, either, you know, whether it's somebody who works in concrete or dentistry or freelance writing or building custom applications for you know, Fortune 500 companies, it always starts with that question. I wonder if people actually pay me for this. And so when you go out and you say, okay, are people going to pay? Can they actually pay? Would they pay? And you start offering your services out there. Once you get two, three, four, five paying clients, even if it's nominal fees, like I said, I started at the very bottom of the ladder. But that for me was merely confirming that I did have a paying market that was out there. So that's the most important thing is getting to buyers as fast as possible and preferably more than two. One is a fluke. Two is the kind of pity you. So yeah, I'll pay for it because I'm your cousin or whatever, right? If you get three, four, five, you're on to something there. So that's a, the, 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 definitely the very first, um, 
the very first trait is being willing to answer that question. And even starting, you know, starting small, starting towards maybe a, a not so glorious beginning, uh, but being willing to say, I'm going to do what it takes to answer this question. Okay, totally. And then uh, lightning round, favorite books? Favorite books, definitely um, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. That's going to be one. The other one is called The Sticking Point Solution by Jay Abraham. So I love uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine because it talks, Jet, Chet Holmes talks about the strategy of the customer journey and how to create campaigns that, that uh, turn non-buyers into customers. And then I like Jay's book because he talks about essentially how to create marketing messages that resonate with people from you know, postcards to a website and, and what you need to do as a business owner to create those emotionally compelling messages and pepper them throughout your copy. So real quick review, The Ultimate Sales Machine uh, by Chet Holmes and The Sticking Point Solution by Jay Abraham. Okay, awesome. Uh, thanks so much for your time. I feel like I learned a lot from talking to you, Joshua. Sure, sure thing. I was glad to be on your show. Want to get a book written but not do any actual writing? Head over to com for all your ghostwriting, copywriting, and content marketing needs. There were too many takeaways from our conversation to enumerate here, so I've shared my notes in the show notes. You can also find them at nicholaspeel.com slash Joshua Lysik. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion spent an entire autumn in 2014 as toads after encountering a vindictive sorceress. Fall isn't a bad time to be a toad though, so for them it's actually a pretty good experience. They're back to normal and working on a new album as I speak, so check out their work at cepdx.bandcamp.com and Apple iTunes and Spotify. For more podcasts like this, make sure you're subscribed in your podcast app. I have a couple of especially exciting ones coming down the pipeline including the founder of Marijuana Business Daily, which is kind of like the Wall Street Journal of the weed industry, as well as the founder of Plastic Technologies, who's responsible for all kinds of things that, that touch your life day to day, but that you might not think about. You can check out past episodes under Ytry and at nicholaspeel.com, where you can also find articles about entrepreneurship and investing, as well as book recommendations and recipes for delicious food. Thanks for listening.